Hare Krishna. So we're starting a really wonderful chapter of Dhruva Maharaj return, goes back to Godhead. Um, and first we hear about uh, his interaction with Kuvera and uh, the demigod in charge of wealth. And then uh, we hear about Dhruva Maharaj ruling his kingdom and then renouncing the kingdom. And, and I don't know where, how far we'll get today because we're starting a little late, but um, Dhruva Maharaj going back to Godhead. Along with who? His mother. So this would be a good one for Mother's Day. Okay. So we're beginning chapter 12. The great sage Maitreya said, My dear Vidura, Juva Maharaj is... Um, one second. Could you get my reading glasses there in that case right there? Juva Maharaj, uh, my dear Vidura, Juva Maharaj's anger subsided and he completely ceased killing the yakshas. So why did he do that? What was the impetus? He was advised. By who? Yeah, Sai Bhuvamana. Very good. You guys are all on, on your game today. Yes. Uh, when Kuvera, the most blessed master of the treasury, very important, right? The treasury department, uh, learned this news, he appeared before Dhruva. While being worshipped by yakshas, kinaras, and charanas, he spoke to Dhruva Maharaj, who stood before him with folded hands. The master of the treasury, Kuvera, said, O sinless son of a chatriya, I am very glad to know that under the instruction of your grandfather, you have given up your enmity, although it is very difficult to avoid. I am very pleased with you. Actually, you have not killed the yakshas, nor have they killed your brother. For the ultimate cause of generation and annihilation is the eternal time feature of the Supreme Lord. So we, we talked about this last week, that in one sense, of course, you know, there, there's different causes of things, Krishna being the ultimate cause, but detached from this world. Uh, and then one of the other causes that gets all of us in terms of death is the creation of Krishna, uh, the time factor. Right? Kaloshmi, Krishna says, I am time, destroyer of the worlds. And we talked about that last week. So text four, misidentification of oneself and others as I and you on the basis of the bodily concept of life is a product of ignorance. The bodily concept is the cause of repeated birth and death, and it makes us go on continuously in material existence. So here's the purport. It's a very interesting purport, so we'll go through it carefully. The conception of I and you, in Sanskrit, aham tvam, right? Aham tvam, as separate from each other, is due to our forgetfulness of our eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Supreme Person, Krishna, is the central point and all of us are his parts and parcels. Now listen to this nice explanation of parts and parcels. So we hear that all the time. And I think for some of us it just goes, whatever that means, parts and parcels, right? It goes right over our head. He says, uh, just as hands and legs are parts and parcel 
of the whole body. Right? They're they're part, they're part of the body, but they're parcels. They're they're you know, we we don't just say our body, we say our hands, we say our legs. When we actually come to this understanding of being eternally related to the Supreme Lord, this distinction, which is based on the bodily concept of life, cannot exist. The same example can be cited herewith. The hand is the hand, and the leg is the leg. And when both of them engage in the service of the whole body, there is no distinction as hands and legs, <clears throat> for all of them belong to the whole body, and all of the and all the parts working together constitute the whole body. So ju just like we talk about how we want to become one with Krishna in interest, right? We talk about we hear that a lot. That not we don't want to become one. We don't want to merge into Krishna because then there's no relationship. But we have the oneness is in interest, or you could say in love. Right? in reciprocation of love. That's, that's the oneness. So, you know, so naturally, generally, the hands and the legs, you could say, are one with our body because they're carrying out the interest of, of the body, hopefully. You know, the, you know, as Srila Prabhupada would say, you know, the, uh, what is it, the, the, the uh, is it the stomach that would go on strike? Or is it the mouth that goes? Yeah, the stomach, you know, goes on strike, saying, you know, why you get all the great foods to the to the uh, mouth? You know, no, they 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 we all, they work as a team, so to speak, right? And so, in that sense, the distinction goes away because hands and legs are all working in conjunction with with the body, right? Just like my niece, she just ran the uh, New York Marathon, twenty six miles. So naturally, you know. All the all the uh, all the instruments of her body, her hands and legs and everything, were all were breathing and everything else were working in, to get her body from the big, the uh, start line to the finish line in one piece. She made it. Uh, <clears throat> similarly, when the living entities are in Krishna consciousness, there is no such distinction as I and you, because everyone is engaged in the service of the Lord. Since the Lord is absolute, the services <clears throat> are also absolute. Even though the hand is working in one way and the leg is working in another way, since the purpose is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they are all one. This is not to be confused with the statement by the Mayavadi philosophies that, quote, everything is one. Real knowledge is that hand is hand, leg is leg, <laughs> body is body, and yet all together they are one. So this is this comes up so often, achincha beta, beta tattva. Right? It is one and different, simultaneously. So many things in this world are one and different simultaneously. As soon as the living entity thinks that he is independent. His conditioned material existence begins. It's kind of like, you know, if the hand just starts doing whatever it wants to do, we can't really conceive of it, right? Because, you know, usually our body cooperates with our... But if the hand just, you know, says, oh, I'm not going to feed you, right? Then the, then the cooperation is lost. And the hand is basically useless. They're, you know, close to being useless, right? 
if it can't do what it's meant to be done, right? If, if I, you know, the mind is saying, pick up the iPhone, and the hand is saying, no, why should I do that? Who do you think you are? Right? My dear mind, my dear, you know, you know, why should I do that? I don't want to pick up this iPhone right now. So that's, you know, it's, it sounds weird, but it's, that's as weird as us saying, you know, Krishna's saying, Bhagavad Gita's saying, sadhus are saying, Shastra's saying, you know, serve Krishna. We say, no, why should I do that? Who do you think you are, Krishna? Right? Icha dvesha samutena dvando mohena bharata. Right? That, the, uh, that we get into this mess because of icha and dvesh. Right? The, the, the uh, choice, the desire, and we choose not to, you know, uh, we, you know, we think, why should I serve Krishna? You know, uh, and the dvesh is, you know, who does he think he is? Right? So, uh, so as soon as we think ourselves having no relationship with Krishna, right, then we, we lose it. Just like we say, right, to, to consider the names of the demigods to be equal to or independent of Lord Krishna. So it's a, it's a similar point that we see the demigods as independent of Krishna. We don't need, you know, we don't, you know, we'd rather go to the demigods, go to Kavera, get a lot of money, right? Go to this in that demigod to get what we want in this world. But neither the demigods are independent of Krishna, nor are we. But that doesn't mean we're one in total. We are um, separated eternally, uh, but we have a relationship. But we are one also, because we're his energy. You know, we were talking about that last week. There's nothing here except Krishna's energy. Nothing. There's only two things in the whole of creation, Krishna and Krishna's energy. That's it. Bus. There's no, there's no third category. Of course, there's different categories of energies. Right? There's the internal energy, Srimati Radharani, devotional service. Um, there's the marginal energy, us. And then there's the external energy. The cons- the conception of independent existence is therefore a dream. Most people in this world, this is a place for dreams, but you know, uh, but we usually have the wrong kind of dreams, right? You know, there, there's so much theory in self-help books today, right? About you know, live your dream, right? Isn't it? You know, that don't give up on your dream, and everyone can achieve. Well, that's you know. Patently wrong. <laughs> uh, we can dream how we want to, not dream, but we can desire to serve Krishna in this way or that way. Um, but ultimately, we know that ultimately it's up to Krishna, <laughs> right? Um, but the conception of independent existence is there for a dream. So even when people are dreaming about, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, you can become just like this. What is she, 28, 29 years old, this woman from. Uh, the Bronx and Queens is the youngest woman congressperson, congresswoman ever. And she, her last job was uh, she was working at a coffee shop. So she can't. So she's going to become a congresswoman, but she can't afford the rents in Washington D.C. <laughs> right. So she dreamed, and you know, but it's still a dream within a dream. That's the point being made here. That even your dreams to be successful or to do this or to find a cure for you know cancer or whatever, it's still, 
not, not all those are bad, but they're still dreams within the dream if we're thinking ourselves independent of God. And then Prabhupada says, one has to be in Krishna consciousness, his original position. Then he can be freed from material bondage. Are you comfortable there? Yes? Okay. Because <laughs> we do have cushions. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, we also have with us uh, Ram Baru Mataji today. So she's our expert and resident saint. For the, so if you have anything to add to this, Mataji? Okay. Okay, just let me know when you do. Other questions, comments so far on this verse? Yes, Andy, microphone. But it's not on this verse, it's on this section of verses. Okay. Uh, well, maybe we don't have time for this, but um, when he said, um, I, I accept that Dhruva, according to what he performed, at one time was sinless, right? Right. Krishna deigned to appear right, bef- right in front of his face. So right. He had to be so pretty, he's doing good. Yeah. pretty sinless. Yeah. But then uh, the, the Kuvera, when he's like, giving him obeyances, calls him sinless. Right. He just killed a bunch of innocent people. Right. Or uh, whatever you call them, demon people. But So how does he get off the hook? How does he get off the hook? Yeah, well, that, that's a natural question that comes <laughs> up here. Um, it is, in several purports, uh, Srila Prabhupada makes, as he does often in his purports, makes different points in different places. But in two places that I read, and I think you must have read it also, um, he mentions that he was really just doing his duty as a chatriya. Um, although in other places it says that it was kind of rampant, right? Um, but he was doing his, in, other, in some places it says he was doing his duty as a chatriya. And um, the example that that is often given, I think Srila Prabhupada gives it, right? That if someone, if a... Uh, just like in, in I work where I work, there's a lot of uh, veterans, a lot of veterans because uh, in the federal government, veterans get hiring preference, right? Um, so, if a person is at war and you know kills uh, many enemies, uh, not only is he or she not responsible, but even sometimes gets an award, right, for it, right? You know, the Purple Heart or yeah, valor. And if that same person comes home and kills one person on the streets, he very well will have a death penalty or be in jail the rest of his life. Right? So in that context, uh, Srila Prabhupada mentions in some places that he was doing his duty as a chatriya. Um, but in other places, but, so that's one, that's one lesson. And then in other lessons, yes, uh, he was... Uh, acting capriciously and uh, had to be stopped by Swayambhuvamanu, right? Um, I th- I, the, now I, take, I think there's an interesting lesson there. Now, of course, that's quite extreme, right? And, and there's so many points. <laughs> All these things are coming to my head at once, right? Because in one purport, Srila Prabhupada says, and this is one you definitely don't want to take out of context, because it could be really easily misunderstood, where it says that when naturally we know that when you know when Krishna is present and someone passes away, they have great benefit, right? And so all the people in the battle of Kurukshetra were liberated. But in one place it also says when a devotee 
<laughs> is present, right? Or uh, we read that, I think, last, in the last chapter. Um, but naturally, we wouldn't, you know, go around thinking, well, I'm a devotee, and I can go, you know, kill somebody, and they're going to be really benefited. You know, that is not the, uh, that is not the purport. But we do learn from this that, a few things, that great devotees can make mistakes. And it's not so much the question of making mistakes, it's the question of rectifying them. That counts. Um, and, uh, you know, Dhruva, Dhruva got carried away, but then he regained his, his consciousness, his Krishna consciousness, um, by, by the teachings of Swayam Bhuvamanu. So there's a bunch of lessons there. It's kind of like, um, and so for us, we want to be careful what lessons we learn from this. Is this okay so far, Andy? Yeah. yeah. It's not so, an easy no, it's not an easy answer. But um, we want to we want to uh, learn carefully the right lessons from this, right? Um, it's just like, has anyone, anyone here, raise your hand if you've ever driven with either a GPS or Google Maps or Yahoo Maps or Waze? Anyone ever done that? Okay, right. Okay, good. So now, I mean, unless there's something wrong with the program, right? If, if Waze or Google Maps tells you to turn right and you miss the turn, whose fault is that? Okay, it's our fault, right? You know, again, I, sometimes Waze is taking me on some pretty crazy, but generally... Right. It's uh, so. What happens if you miss a turn on Waze or Yahoo or what is it? What is it? What happens? It recalculates. It recalculates. Right. It, it recalculates. It's okay. You can either do a U-turn or it tells you to take another path. Right. Right. It recalculates. So similarly, when we make mistakes in devotional service, right? So we can't blame. We can't. We really shouldn't blame uh, Waze or. Uh, Google Maps or Yahoo, right, or Apple Maps, right? You know, we you know, this stupid phone, you know, <laughs> because we're the ones who missed, who made the wrong turn, right? Um, but Waze or, or you know Google Maps or whatever it is um, is very merciful. It it, uh, it gives us, it recalculates, and it may take a little longer, you know, because we blew it, but we 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 can we can still get to our destination. So similarly. Uh, Krishna tells us what to do in the Bhagavad Gita and in many and the Bible and many scriptures and certainly in the Bhagavatam. There's so many do's and don'ts, right? Uh, and sometimes he even contrasts them very easily, right? He talks about satatam kirtayantamam yatantascha bridavrata that we should be, you know, the great mahatmanasumam partha dhaivim prakritimasrita that the great souls they take shelter in hearing about God and serving Krishna. In enchanting his names, and then the next verse, Mogasya Moga Karmana Moga Gyanavicheta. And if you don't do this, oh my God, you're in big trouble, <laughs> right? Um, so, so Krishna very, very clearly tells us what to do and what not to do. And, and raise your hand if you've always absolutely followed Krishna's instructions without any deviation. Okay, so we may have to, we may get some reaction or something like that from doing the wrong thing, but Krishna is like the GPS. He recalculates and he says, okay, keep going on. He doesn't say, oh my God, you blew it, right? <laughs> Could you imagine uh, your GPS saying, forget it, you're never going to get to your destination now. You made the wrong turn. Absolutely. 
you're ruined. You might as well just sell your car, <laughs> right? It, it, so Krishna's not like that, you know, because sometimes we beat ourselves up so badly. We make some mistake and we just, you know. But Krishna says, okay, recalculating. And it may take a little longer to get to our destination and we may have to use up more fuel in doing so, more gas, right? But he doesn't uh, give up on us. So I think that's also a lesson here uh, with the story of uh, Truva Maharaj. So you can remember the GPS. I think it's a good, uh, I think it's a pretty good analogy. And I don't, I don't uh, take credit for it. I heard it from uh, Chaitanya Charan Prabhu, who's going to be here giving class next Sunday, by the way. So I can't, I'd l I would love to take credit for it because it's such a good analogy, but you know. Other thoughts, questions? I'm sure you're all going to be very Krishna conscious next time you, uh, you know, turn on your phone. <laughs> and uh, just imagine, every time you make a wrong turn, you can remember this analogy and think of Krishna. Okay, then should we carry on? Yes, microphone. Uh, the point you mentioned about making mistakes and rectifying it and continuing in the devotional service was very, very striking and powerful, Prabhu. Thank you. Well, it's, you know, because we do, it's one of Maya's tricks. In, in I think it's the fourth canto, I can't remember where it is. Um, Prabhupada says that repentance comes, we've talked about this before, repentance comes in the heart of a good soul when they make a mistake, right? And maybe Rambaru, you can speak to this because this is, kind of your field in one sense. Um, uh, and at the same time, I think it's a trick of Maya or the trick of our mind, which is synonymous often, to just dwell on it, to dwell on the mistake, to get stuck on the shortcoming. It, it, it is good to repent sometimes and, and really, really, really try not to do that same mistake again. Um, but what happens is, when you, let's say you, um, you know, had a glass of beer, right? You know, you, you, know you, you, you had promised to not take intoxicants, right? So if you're always thinking, I shouldn't have had that beer, I shouldn't have had that beer, you're just, you're chanting beer, the beer mantra, right? And then you're thinking about beer and there's, when you whatever you meditate on, you develop a desire for, so you make the same mistake again, right? So there's this time when repentance is healthy, and there's also a time, and it may be individual for each one of us, according to how many um, guilt trips our parents put on us when we were kids. <laughs> I had a Jewish mother, so I had she was expert at the guilt trip, expert. Um, but regardless, um, there's a time to. Be, to just get absorbed again in Krishna consciousness. And this is right there in the nectar of devotion that the prayaschitta, the, the, the path of repentance in bhakti is to again engage in bhakti. That's the, you don't have to do all these rituals and, and this and that, but just again, you know, again, so we, as I like to say, right, it's okay to fall down 99 times as long as you pick yourself up 100 times. Right, you know, uh, or um, um, Frank Sinatra had a song um, that it's called "That's Life," and at one place he's you know he's talking about how he's been a 
puppet, a poet, a pirate, a pawn, and a king has been up and down. And, I, and then he says, you just pick yourself up and get back in the race. That's life. So, uh, so that's a good, you know, Frank Sinatra wasn't the most Krishna conscious person in the world, but um, though that, that lyrics is right. You know, you just you have to pick yourself up. And, you know, we're, we're eternal. So you can blow it so many times, but what are you going to do? Okay, I'm still a spirit soul. And Krishna's still somewhere in my heart. So I might as well just get back in, in the race, get back in Krishna consciousness. Some thoughts on that? What, a microphone? Uh, Mataji is a pastoral counselor by profession. So. I'm actually a chaplain. A chap- a cha- that, yeah, interfaith a, chaplain. We do a lot of crisis counseling, grief counseling, and all kinds of stuff. But um, you're absolutely right that, that the more, the, wherever the mind goes, and where the energy flows, you know, and so the, the more you. The more you scratch the wound, you know, the more bloody and messy it gets. And so uh, you're right. You have you have to engage on the positive thought uh, rather than beating yourself up. And it's true. Once something has happened, it's happened. You can't change it now. Uh, you, you know, grief is about trying to change the past, and you can't do that. And uh, you're right to be uh, self-critical and know. Oops, that was a boo-boo, and and uh, I don't want to do that again. It, it created right. more suffering for myself. So it's the intelligent thing to do. Uh, it's kind of uh, mm-hmm. analyzing and rather than uh, guilt tripping yourself. Yeah, I that's. I mean, we can we can uh, we can do some analysis. Okay, what 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 frame of mind was I in when I made that mistake? Where was I? Who was I with? How can I avoid that situation? How can mm-hmm. I change that? Like I have a friend of mine who. Um, said that he would he he analyzed his life and he said he would get in trouble and what he meant by trouble is he'd watch TV and stuff and just zone out in the in the evenings at night so what he did was he started going to sleep at 7:30 and getting up at 1:30 and then chanting all throughout the morning and and reading and things like that and it just changed his whole life just because he analyzed the situation yeah right so we could, we might uh do that you know, because usually uh, a bad habit, usually it, there's either a state of mind, right, like anxiety or fear or something like that. Uh, people that you associate with can influence it. A time of day, um, there's these different triggers um, that are there, and sometimes they're, you can an, we can analyze that. Yeah. Make sense? Other thoughts? Yeah, microphone. Pass uh, it. Probably you spoke about the repentance and the good soul. Yes. So even in presence of Krishna, like when there is a wave of mercy, if a person is not repentant, then... Even in... Say that again. So you're with Krishna? So like, I mean the mercy washes away all the sins. Okay. But this person, he's adamant. Adamant, okay. Not repenting, you know. Right. uh, Getting away from all that loving exchanges and uh, relationship with Krishna. So, 
Well, there, there has to be some repentance. Otherwise, we really risk the seventh offense against the holy name. Yeah. Right? Because if you just think, eh, I blew it, so what? No problem. That's really not a very sincere sentiment. Right? Uh, sentiment, uh, there's a, be- uh, sentiment is, gosh. I mean, when we blow, th- when we mess things up, it should develop our humility and more taking shelter of Krishna. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like... You're going to say something? Use the mic. A good soul is always repentant. Yeah, but it, you know, but also we don't want to, you know, just repent, you know, mess up, repent, mess up, repent, mess up, repent, right? Uh, the elephant example, right? The elephant Hatimak, takes a nice yeah. bath in the water, and then you ever seen this in India, right? And then, yeah. you, the elephant takes a really nice bath. I've seen it in South India, in, in sometimes in some of the temples, like in Udupi, there's a big kunz. The elephants bathe there, and then they take some dirt and throw it on them. And that was Prabhupada's criticism of the practice of, uh, of confession in Catholicism, right? Because at the end, the, the priest, I believe he says something like, you know, go forth and sin no more. But then they come back the next week and say, okay. I did this. <laughs> yeah. and... right. You know, they say, okay, so many Hail Marys. You know, basically they say, chant your japa. And, <laughs> but, you know, he does say sin no more. So Prabhupada wasn't, uh, was critical of us thinking that we're okay, we're off the hook. Give the microphone to uh, Ram Barumatsu. I think the real point here is that that when we make a mistake uh, or a perceived mistake, that uh, we need to ask ourselves, what, what can we learn from it? Mm. And uh, learning means changing. I mean, if a person says, I'm learning so much, I'm learning so much, but their behavior is not changing, they're not learning. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing something that causes your own suffering and then you you repent and then you keep doing it you have you're not really learning and so um i think that's the key piece is it's a learning opportunity if you take it uh it can increase your understanding of hey. krishna amy is that working properly yeah yeah i checked it already okay it's oh, thank you Sorry, I just but, want to make sure. Yeah, that's that's yeah. basically what. Yeah, I'm learning. Say. I mean, and I and I think I do have to be dutiful, and I always have to be dutiful, and quote Sheila Prabhupada, where he would say, um, you know, one time Krishna forgives, second time Krishna forgives, third time hard slap. <laughs> that's what he said. So, so that that's the counterbalance that we. Um, I, Prabhupada felt. I I don't want to predicate his mind, but it seems that he was saying that. Uh, we're stronger than we think we are by Krishna's mercy. Right? He, he asked us to, to follow the vows uh, that we take, but he had conviction that we could, if we were sincere enough, follow those, even if it was you know, something that had never crossed our mind for the first 18, 20, 25, 50, whatever years of our life. Right? That, that we, could, we can do it. Um, so there's that there's that balance, and it's really an individual thing. Sometimes habits can be very habits we might even you could, we could use the word addictions can be very very difficult to overcome. And we show mercy, you know, uh, well encouragement to a person who's really becoming depressed because of that, or you know, really, you know. So it's a, it's it's a very individual thing, but there is this side where Prabhupada would just say. Get over it, you know. <laughs> Get a life, you know. You know, and that was part of. Um, and at the same time, as we were reading, as uh, 
Rambaru was reading the Prabhupada Lilamrita today, so I just remembered that he was the point about Madhavisa Prabhu that you were reading just a few minutes ago, right? And and you know, Prabhupada, if somebody had left the society, and in those days that usually meant doing all kinds of stuff, right? And he just said, Come back. You know. And, and even even he la- he allowed things that were pretty much unheard of, like someone taking sannyas and then okay, you can go back to your wife, your family. Whatever it takes, continue your devotional service. So there's this balance. Um, but the main thing, one of the main teachings is to be try to be as strict as possible with ourselves and lenient with others. We tend to be the other way around. We tend to be lenient with ourselves, right? We 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 think. How many of I mean, let's be honest, right? So many of us think Krishna will forgive me, right? We think like that, whatever it is. But then we think, oh, that other person, <laughs> Raghunandan's in big trouble. <laughs> Krishna. So the GPS will recalculate as many times as necessary. That doesn't mean we shouldn't get to our destination as quickly as possible. Is that all right? Does that balance work for everyone? Okay. My dear Dhruva, come forward. May the Lord always grace you with good fortune. Thank you for that question, Andy. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond our sensory perception, is the super soul of all living entities, and thus all entities are one without distinction. Can you imagine if you only quoted that? You see, that's why you always have to know context when you're studying Shastra, right? If you just said, all living entities are one without distinction. It says right in the Bhagavatam. Right, you can, so you have to. It's all there's always a context, right? Uh, or you know, uh, you know, I've seen. You could quote like, "Sense gratification is wonderful." Prabhupada said, "If you're a dog, hog, camel, or ass." <laughs> right? We only quote the first half of the sentence. Prabhupada said, "Sense gratification is wonderful." Right? It's right. It's a direct quote from His Divine Grace. You think that His Divine Grace is wrong, you rascal? Right? <laughs> you can. Uh... Yes. We both read the Bible day and night. You read black, and I read white. Right. <laughs> um, begin therefore to render service. See the very next sentence clarifies it. Begin therefore to render service unto the transcendental form of the Lord who is the ultimate shelter, shelter of all living entities. So this is pretty cool. A demigod is preaching to a pure devotee to take shelter of Krishna. We'll talk about that in a few verses. Engage yourself fully, therefore, in the devotional service of the Lord, for only he can deliver us from this entanglement of material existence. So, you know, the demigods know the philosophy. They also have their attachments, but, you know. Although the Lord is attached to his material potency, is aloof from her activities. Everything in this material world is happening by the inconceivable potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So a little bit about philosophy at the second half of the purport. This material energy is one of the Lord's potencies. Clear? Krishna, remember we said there's Krishna and Krishna's energy? So the material world is one of his energies. As much as heat and light are potencies of fire. Right? Heat and light don't have any separate existence. You need the fire, right? or you know, electricity, but you know what I mean, in the general example. The material energy is not different from the Supreme Godhead. Why? Why is the material energy not different from God? Because it's his energy. That's right. It's part of him. It's his energy. Yeah. 
But at the same time, this is the achincha beta abeda. But at the same time, he has nothing to do with the material energy. He sets it in motion, meaning that you see, you have to. It's also good to understand a little bit of Prabhupada's English, meaning he has nothing to do with material energy. Um, he sets it in motion. It's it's not his fault how we manipulate the material energy. Right. You can't blame the terrible shooting in Thousand Oaks the other day on Krishna. It's living entities carrying out their free will. So that's the sense. The living entity who is of the marginal energy, remember that, the, the tatasta we talked about? Uh, do you remember what the word tatasta means? It's on the, yeah, tata means uh, that, that piece of land that's not in the water and not on land. Right? At that. So if you can imagine what that's like. Right? It's easier, in a, I think, to imagine in a river than in a... a in an ocean, right? Because the waves come and go, right? But, yeah. And so we are the marginal energy and we're entrapped by the material energy on the basis of our desire to lord it over the material world. So we kind of looked, okay, Krishna, Maya, Krishna, I'll go for Maya. (laughs) And we put ourselves in the water instead of on the land. We chose that side. And why? So why have we done it? Because we have a desire. So again, this is the word that Prabhupada uses, lord it over the material world. Literally, that word lord, try to replace God and be an enjoyer ourself. The lord is aloof from this. But when the same living entity engages in the devotional service of the lord, he becomes attached to this service. So, the same Lord who's Krishna, who's saying, okay, you know, you do what you want in this material world. When we show devotion to him, that relationship rekindles. And Krishna has, you know, Daivihiesha gunamai mamamaya daratya mameviye prapadyante mayami tam That It's really hard to get out of the material world, you know, to deal with the material world. But if we have Krishna's, or no, that isn't the word, uh, the verse I was thinking was, samoham sarvabhuteshu. That um, Krishna is equal to everyone. He doesn't hate anyone. He doesn't like anybody. In the material world, he just says, "Okay, you do what you do what you do what you want to do. You don't you 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 know if you don't want to have anything to do with me, okay, um, you know." But then, yay bhajanti, if someone turns to Krishna, totally different relationship with the supreme. For devotees, the Lord is present even in the material energy. Okay, because he created it. This is the inconceivable potency of the Lord. Material energy acts in the three modes of material qualities which produce the actions and reactions of material existence. Those who are not devotees become involved in such activities, whereas devotees who are dovetailed with the Supreme Personality of Godhead are freed from such actions and reactions of material energy. Anyone know what this word dovetail? Yeah, it's, a, it's like on the side of a drawer. It's a carpentry cover. Yes. So they cut one piece and so fit inside of the Yes, exactly. Yeah. I remember, um, actually, um, Ram lived there also. I think you lived there also in Detroit? Yeah. You, Detroit, yeah. So in one of the um, um, rooms upstairs, it's a very wonderful mansion that was built by... Uh, 
Lawrence Fisher bodies. But anyway, we'll get into that story. But in one of the rooms, uh, it's a very opulent mansion that was built in the 20s, I believe. The, the, I can't actually, but anyway, the floors, the panel, the, the, or have different panels and they're dovetailed. They, they, they fit almost like a jigsaw puzzle, you could say. It's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. So when we are connected like that, that's the dovetail. We're dovetailing, uh, we're connecting with the Lord. Right? Like that. We're. In shop, in, in when you were in school? Carpentry, yes. So, so he used that word dovetail. Prophet really liked that word dovetail. Um, when we're connected in that sense. The Lord is therefore described here in as Bhava Chidham, one who can give deliverance from the entanglement of material existence. <coughs> so our so we have activities, and it's activities that have gotten into the, this mess in the material world. And the same activities, when dovetailed with the Lord, get us out of the material world. It's like we, that nice example of you have a, a thorn, and you get rid of the thorn by another thorn. So any thoughts on this verse, Purport? Microphone? I have a comment on the previous verse okay. um, where it said uh, just because of the super soul being present in all living entities, all entities are one without distinction. It it almost like mirrors the verse in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, Shutrena Maniganaiva, the like pearls strung uh-huh. on a thread. And I, as the super soul, carry everything, I, I string together everything like that string. Mm. So without the super soul being present, that condition doesn't manifest, like all the entities are one right. and the same without distinction. Right. Yes. And that's such a nice example. That's one of the most beautiful examples Krishna gives in the Gita. Sutari Mani Ganaiva. Right? Um, because we don't, just like in a, pearl necklace or any kind of necklace, you don't see the string, right, if it's, if it's a good necklace, <laughs> if there's not spaces in it, right, or even, you know, in uh, Kantimala, right, it's, it's, you, if you see devotees, sometimes they have a big gap, and then that, you know, it's like, come on, fix your neck beads, you know, uh, so, but without that, the, this invisible string that you can't see, all these beads would fall apart, right, so similarly, we don't see God all the time, unless we're very, very advanced devotees in the material world, but without him, everything falls apart. Thank you. Nice example. So let's go on to verse 7. My dear Dhruva Maharaj, son of Maharaj Uttanupad, we have heard that you are constantly engaged in transcendental loving service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is known for his lotus navel. You are therefore worthy to take all benedictions from me. Please therefore ask without hesitation Whatever, whatever benedictions you want from me. And the great sage Maitreya continued. Maitreya is telling the story. It's a story within a story, which is also within another story. My dear Vidura, when thus asked to accept a benediction from Kuvera, the Yaksharaj, king of the Yakshas, Juva Maharaj, that most elevated pure devotee, who is an intelligent and thoughtful king, begged that he might have unflinching faith 
in and remembrance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. For thus a person can cross over the ocean of Nessians very easily, although it is very difficult for others to cross. So this might seem like, yeah, of course, he's a pure devotee, he did it. But imagine the, um, if you were um, offered, because Kubera owns, uh, you know, is the, uh, he takes care of all wealth. So basically, people approach him for one thing. What's that? Wealth. And he can really give it like crazy. And so he's saying, right, like, let's say he can, you know, give you Fort Knox. You know, how much gold is that, right? Um, and he's offering that indirectly to Drew Marge, and Drew Marge saying, don't want that. Just want to be, always remember Krishna. Just like we, we uh, were praying in the month of Damodar, right? That, uh, my Lord, I want no benediction except to remember your former Bal Gopal, Right? So this, so we can kind of take it for granted. We can read it and say what, but for most of us, I think it'd be hard. Hmm. What if I take all the gold and then I become a pure devotee a little bit five minutes later? You know, that way I get the best of both worlds here. You know, I know that's what would be going on in my mind or something like that. So the purport describes this according to the opinion of expert followers of Vedic rites. There are different types of benedictions in terms of religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, liberation. These four principles are known as chatur vargas. Right? So you, many people, they follow some religious path, some rituals, in order to get economic development. What do you do when you have money? You enjoy. And then you get a little frustrated at the end and you think, oh, let me get moksha. Let me get out of, out of here. So those are the four. Of all the Chatur Vargas, four paths, the benediction of liberation is considered to be the highest in this material world. To be enabled to cross over material nescience is known as the highest prusharta, or benediction for the human being. But Dhruv Maharaj wanted a benediction which surpasses even the highest prusharta, liberation. He wanted the benediction that he might constantly remember the lotus feet of the Lord. This stage of life is called Panchama Purushartha. When a devotee comes to the platform of Panchama Purushartha, Panchama means five, right? Uh, simply engaging in devotional service to the Lord, the fourth Purushartha, liberation, becomes very insignificant in his eyes. So it's like, yeah, it's like uh, the story of Sanatana Goswami and the touchstone. Right, that the touchstone was there that can touch anything and it turns into gold. And the person says, oh, you know, where would I find the touchstone? And Sanatana, it's in the garbage over there someplace. <laughs> and so, the, you know, the guy's about to run to him. He said, wait, as he's running there to get the touchstone, he said, wait a second. If this is so valuable, it's in the garbage, what's more valuable than this? And then Sanatana, he goes back to Sanatana Goswami and Sanatana Goswami says, your relationship with Krishna devotional service, that's much more valuable. Of course, because we want to build a new temple here, I, I, it would be nice to have both. <laughs> right? But that's another story. But even then you see that, that wealth ultimately comes from Krishna. And Krishna, you know, if we could just build a temple really easily that someone just drops, you know, $8 million in our laps, we might take it casually. Right, but when you have to work and the blood, sweat, and tears to try to, 
you know, uh, to come up with the money and get the permits and all the things that uh, our Chaman Puri is doing and, and the other devotees are doing and Chaitanya Thai is trying to collect the money. Then, you know, when you really struggle to get something, the tendency is to value it more. And the same thing with bhakti. If you just like, you know, uh, okay, well, I'm a pure devotee. Now what should I do? Maybe I should take up, you know, another habit, another... Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take up basket weaving or, you know, something else, right? But no, if you really have to work at it and, and, and really pray and depend on Krishna and learn, as Rambaru Machi was saying, so many lessons, then when you finally get off, oh, you treasure it like anything. Wait, wait, wait. I just, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking of the caterpillar requires the struggle to become a butterfly. Mm. If you, if uh, sometimes you'll see it, and people will think, "Oh, I'll just help him out. I'll help him," but it it completely dis- stops the growth of becoming. You know that metamorphosis yeah. of becoming a butterfly is absolutely required for the challenge of wrestling its way out of the cocoon. Amazing, huh? So for us to become liberated or self-realized, yeah, learning is hard and it's painful and it's part of the process. You can't stop it. Right. Yeah. No shortcuts. Yeah. Since we're quoting so many songs today, as Ringo Starr said, you got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues. And you know it don't come easy. <laughs> Yes? Save me from the Beatles. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just thinking about the Pandav- Pandavas when they went through Pandavas. all the tribulation. Good example. Krishna would have given five villages or whatever, they were towns from Dwarka, you know, if he, he decided to help them that way. But he took them through the fire of ordeal. Fire of ordeal, yes. Yeah. We learned through the fire of ordeal, as Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur said. Sometimes we say, could we just have a little less fire and a little less ordeal? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Krishna doesn't say that in the Gita. What can you do? He says, Dukalayam. It's a place of suffering, it's a place of challenges. Yeah. And, you know, disease. Has anyone here been really sick at some point in their life? No? Yeah? Is it fun? No. No, no. And Ram Mataji uh, knows a lot about dealing with people who are in their old age, or even I can my mother um, remembering her when it's very not fun, and death is not fun. So you know a lot of the things that were that that you're, are inevitable are really dukalaya, but they're there for a reason. It's not that Krishna is just punishing. You know they're there for a reason. This is not our real home. And Krishna's really trying to convince us of that. But we have that, what is that called? The, the vairagya at the end of a funeral? Smashana? Smashana vairagya, right? We all know what it's like. You go to a funeral and you think, oh, geez, I really got to get serious. Life is so short, right? And then a few days later, you just, you know, day-to-day life catches up and it's just like, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. Who's going to win the football game? Come on, that's really important. <laughs> right? So that's um, so. Therefore, uh, in another purpose, I think we're going to come up to a little later. Prabhupada talks about how intelligent one has to be to really take spiritual life seriously, because it's it's so interesting how the illusory energy 
you can get a little serious and then just shoop, covers you over. <laughs> and you start getting caught up in so many temporary things. And it, let's face it, it's a challenge because we do have our swadharma in this world, our condi uh, conditional swadharma. We, you know, we, most of us have to keep our jobs to you know, have a roof over our head and take care of our families and things like that and deal with you know, all the things that, just think like uh, for, let's say those of you who've been in the workplace, let's say 20 years, if you go back you know, 15 years, some big project you're working on, where is that today? Does anyone remember it even? Like, right? So there's that, and at the same time, to remember that we're souls. We're, we, we, know we, we have to develop our relationship with Krishna. We have to perform devotional service. We have to be learning the Shastra. We should be chanting more purely, and all those things that are part of our um, conditional Swadharma, who we really are. And finding that balance, it's tricky, because I find, at least, there's a tendency to do this one first. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, to really get absorbed and, you know, okay, I'll take care, I'll pay my bills, I'll do all of this. And then if there's a little time left, we're all here and chant. I'll spend some time, you know, so to um, keep our priorities straight. And in that, therefore, really try to have some good time management so that we can spend time on the important things. We don't want to, you know, as the saying goes, uh, climb the ladder of success only to find out that we got to the top and it was, the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> right? That, that's, uh, so we don't want to do everything materially perfectly, but forget our spiritual uh, practices and our, and our spiritual goals. You know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm repeating things we've said before, but uh, you, know, you don't want to be, you know, no one on their deathbed, right, you know, laments, oh, I should have spent more time in the office. <laughs> Drats. Too bad, I really blew it, right? Right. Rather, but rather, all the great acharyas, so many of the great acharyas, especially Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, have these beautiful songs of lamenting about how they, you know, wasted time. Right, and really, they didn't waste time, but they, that's a lesson to us. There's a few, some beautiful prayers by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in the, along those lines. Yeah. And we see today we're, um, yeah, I think we can use the word celebrating. We're celebrating uh, the disappearance of Prabhupada. It's, it's a bittersweet celebration from our point of view. He returned, he was always with, but he returned to be with his Lord. Um, he didn't waste time. <laughs> and look what he did in 11 short years. It's, you know, even Time Magazine, right, listed him as one of the most successful people who started there, in Time Magazine's eyes, uh, were successful after the age of 50. And he's listed there. He, the interesting thing about Srila Prabhupada, well, so many things, but he didn't waste time, but he wasn't passionate. He was like, oh, we've got to do something right now. He was very calm and sattvic and, and all that, but he used all of his time and energy in Krishna's service. One of the symptoms that one loves God is that they avyakta kalatvam, that they use all of their time wisely in Krishna's service. What? Madhurya Kadamani. Madhurya Kadamani says it there. It's also in uh, Nectar of Devotion, I believe. The, yeah. 
the nine symptoms of bhava bhakti. And one of them is avyakta kalatvam. Uses all their time, doesn't waste time. Yes. Another thing that struck me in this verse was the mood of Dhruva Maharaj. He had already met the Supreme Personality of Godhead in person and got the benediction from him, mm. but he still prayed to Kuvera and got the, requested the benediction that he always remember the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord. He did not say like, okay, I don't need any more benedictions, I am fine, right. I am taken care of, but it just shows his humility. Yes, and there's uh, and so let's read a little bit. Let's with well, the time remaining, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple of reasons why he did that. So first, we'll go to the next verse. The son of Idavadi, Lord Kuvera, was very pleased and happily he gave Dhruva Maharaj the benediction he wanted. Thereafter, he disappeared from Dhruva's presence, and Dhruva Maharaj returned to his capital city. Sometimes when I see this, like he disappeared from his presence, I think of like you know. I dream of genie, you know, just, <laughs> but I, I maybe wasn't quite like that. But um, for those of you who are probably too young to know what I'm talking about, I dream of genie. But anyway, um, or invisibility cloak for, uh, you know, Harry Potter. So the beginning of the purport, Kuvera is known as the son of Idavidi, Udavida, Udavida, um, no one as a son was very pleased with Juv Maharaj because he did not ask him for anything materially enjoyable. Because everyone's asking him for, you know, Kuvera, right? Kuvera is one of the demigods, and so one may put forward the argument: Why did Juva Maharaj take a benediction from a demigod? The answer is that, a Vaish, that for a Vaishnava, there is no objection to taking a benediction from a demigod if it is favorable for advancing Krishna consciousness. Now, there's a, there is also a specific reason. This is given by uh, Jiva Goswami in the Sandarbhas. And he says, if you go back to verse chapter 4, uh, Canto 4, verse, chapter 11, verse 34, uh, Manu is warning Dhruva. He's, telling, he's trying to convince Dhruva to give up fighting, right? And he's warning him. We did cover this like a little while ago. That um, some uh, you might incur the wrath, the the anger of great personalities, and um, that might uh, hurt our family if you continue with this, right? Um, and so Druva, remembering that, was thinking that one of those great personalities is Kuvera, and so instead of you know getting his wrath, his anger. I should remove any lingering resentment that he may have and ask him for a benediction. So there's also a specific reason. But yes, it shows his humility as well. And really a devotee is, you know, um, willing to take blessings from anybody. You know, just like, uh, go, go. Even a non-devotee, yeah, go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if they can encourage you, that's great. You know, um, it's nice if... Uh, Sometimes it said demigods get a little worried, right? Oh, we're going to read this in the no, a little in about uh, a month from now, um, when uh, Prithu Maharaj and uh, I mentioned this the other day, right? Prithu Maharaj and Indra. When Indra saw Prithu going to outdo me with the number of sacrifices, so he's trying to put an obstacle in the way. But when but people people can get 
it can quite easily give devotees encouragement when they know, because everyone's envious by nature, but they know that devotee doesn't want their money, doesn't want their position, doesn't want, just wants their relationship with Krishna. And then, oh, okay, so you, you know, I have nothing to be envious of you. So, Jala, go ahead. Any thoughts on this? How are we doing time-wise? It's 11.52, right? Yeah. Okay, so that the next uh, section of verses talk about Dhruva Maharaj's uh, ruling and being renounced as he rules. As long as he remained at home, Dhruva Maharaj performed many great ceremonial sacrifices in order to please the enjoyer of all sacrifices, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Prescribed ceremonial sacrifices are especially meant to please Lord Vishnu who is the objective of all such sacrifices and who awards the resultant benedictions. <laughs> and I just had to read this one, two, two or three sentences because uh, I think it might sum up. You might tell me if this uh, conjures up any, um, anything in your mind. Of course, whether the system is monarchy or democracy, the same corruption is still going on. At the present moment, this was written 50 years ago, 45 years ago. Uh, at the present moment, there are different parties in the democratic government, but everyone is busy trying to keep his post or trying to keep his political party in power. <laughs> the politicians have very little time to think of the welfare of the citizens whom they oppress with heavy taxes in the form of income tax, sales tax, and many other taxes. Does that sound... Like it could have been written last few days, right? And he wrote, this was written 40, uh, 46, 47 years ago, approximately, 45. Because Srila Prabhupada, today we're, is the 41st anniversary. Jai Sisi Gornitai Sita Rama Kanhanaman Shishi Radha Madamahan. The 41st anniversary of Srila Prabhupada leaving this world. Okay, so let's carry on. Text 11. Dhruva Maharaj rendered devotional service unto the Supreme, the reservoir of everything, with unrelenting force. So not, you know, he just served and served and served Krishna. While carrying out his devotional service to the Lord, he could see that everything is situated in him, meaning Krishna, only, and that he is situated in all living entities. The Lord is called Achuta because he never fails in his prime duty to give protection to his devotees. Dhruva Maharaj was endowed with all godly qualities. He was very respectful to the devotees of the Supreme Lord, but very kind to the poor and innocent, and he protected religious principles. With all these qualifications, he was considered to be the direct father of all the citizens. And one little sentence in there. As for good qualities, uh, this is also something that came up in my mind, thinking of present day as for good qualities, it is very difficult to find anyone in state administration with any good qualities. <laughs> the administrators simply sit in their administrative posts and say no to every request, as if they were paid to say no to the citizens. <laughs> now, you know, there's, there may be some good people, but Prabhupada, especially, he's writing this, he's, you know, he's experiencing, um, especially the Indian government after partition, right, after 1947. And also his difficulty was so hard 
for Srila Prabhupada just to get no objection to leave India and come to America. It was so hard. And that might, you know, maybe, you know, everyone's just saying, no, it's not, this is not possible. You know, go see the next person. Next week. <laughs> it was very difficult. Now we, we take it for granted, but he had to get no objection certificate and prove so many things. And yeah, very difficult back in the 60s. Next verse. Dhruva Maharaj ruled over this planet for 36,000 years. He diminished the reactions of pious activities by enjoyment. And practicing austerities, he diminished inauspicious reactions. <coughs> Prabhupada writes, there are two kinds of activities, namely pious and impious. By executing pious activities, one gains facility <coughs> for higher material enjoyment. But, in due, but due to impious activities, one has to undergo severe distress. A devotee, however, is not interested in enjoyment or affected by distress. When he is prosperous, he knows I am diminishing the results of my pious activities. And when he is in distress, he knows I am diminishing the reaction of my impious activities. A devotee is not concerned with enjoyment or distress. He simply desires to execute devotional service. It is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam that devotional service should be apratiyata, unchecked by the material conditions of happiness and distress. In other words, we're so fixed on Krishna's pleasure that just our happiness and distress doesn't register on the scale. Now, of course, that's a, that's a very exalted consciousness, but that's the idea, to, that this idea uh, being, uh, uh, as they say in New York, absorbed in, in Krishna consciousness. You can actually do it. Just like, I think it's Stalin, they said, you know, had like major surgery and he didn't want anesthesia. Just by the strength of his mind, he, he, he tolerated the pain, right? Um, and that's, that's you know, nothing, but for us, we're not saying to do that. <laughs> what we are saying is one can be so, um, when we really are experiencing our relationship with Krishna and so absorbed in that relationship, it's just, it, you know, the, our happiness and stress is just not on the, it's not the, uh, the consideration. So we may not be on that level, but we can practice being on that level by, you know, at least uh, theoretically and then trying to follow that theory. Um, practice our, be in our life without minimizing or doing things with the intention to please Krishna. Right? You know, if you're asked to give class, not give class so that people will think, well, that was a really good class. Right? Or... Or whatever, you know, so many things subtly and grossly are, are looking out for number one. And so to the extent that we're not looking out for number one, people trust us. Krishna trusts us. And uh, the, the society of devotees um, becomes a more and more pleasurable place to be. Because everyone's at least trying to not be selfish. I'm trying to serve one another and serve the Lord. Any thoughts on that? It's probably a really good place to stop. But uh, we have, yeah, we have two minutes. Um, I'll just read the next few verses to end this section, which ends on uh, text 16. 
The self-controlled great soul, Drew Maharaj, thus passed many, many years favorably executing three kinds of worldly activities, namely religiosity, economic development, and satisfaction of all material desires. Of course, he did it in Krishna consciousness. Thereafter, he handed over the charge of the royal throne to his sons. Srila Dhruva Maharaj realized that this cosmic manifestation bewilders living entities like a dream or a phantasmagoria because it is a creation of the illusory external energy of the Supreme Lord. Thus, Dhruva Maharaj, at the end, left his kingdom, which extended all over the earth and was bound by the great oceans. He considered his body, his wives, his children, his friends, his army, his rich treasury, his very comfortable palaces, and his many enjoyable pleasure grounds to be creations of the illusory energy. Thus, in due course of time, he retired to the forest in the Himalayas, known as Badrik Ashram. To be continued next week, we'll find out about what he did in Badrik Ashram and then his returning back home, back to Godhead. So uh, it, today is a day to really try to get, um, I think it's a day of gratitude um, towards Srila Prabhupada. Maybe thinking a little bit, where would we be if we hadn't come in contact with Prabhupada's teachings? It's a good meditation. And how he's... Uh, given so much, just like Dhruva Maharaj, he, he became so powerful because he performed those incredible austerities at the age of five. It's inconceivable. So um, Prabhupada, I, I'd say you could say that he performed equal, if not greater austerities, coming in a, to a foreign country with no money, actually no money, 40 rupees, didn't get you anything in America. You couldn't go to uh, convert it even to a few dollars because it was just it wasn't a it wasn't apples to apples, <laughs> um, and no idea what to do. Two heart attacks on the way here. Seventy years old. It's just incredible. 